Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second of this week's Rugby Lineout podcast, in which, as promised, we have a look at, uh, we have a look back at South Africa's uh, clash with Argentina in Buenos Aires last weekend, and look forward to this weekend's final round of the Rugby Championship, in both in which both sides meet again, this time in South Africa, in Durban. So, like I said in the uh, first episode this week, talking about how this whole rugby championship could end up playing out. Um, basically, the the closest rugby championship we've had in years. It's been really, really exciting. But uh, yes, quote, technically, unquote, uh, both, South, uh, both Argentina and Australia are still in the hunt for uh, the silverware, although they are both sitting, uh, Australia's in third on the table and South, uh, Argentina's fourth. However, having said that, um, the reality of the situation is, is that it is essentially a two horse race to lift the silverware between New Zealand and South Africa. But like I say, um, Australia and even Argentina are in with a shot uh, this weekend if various things fall their way. Um, Argentina, it's tough for them. You know, they're coming off the back of uh, two back-to-back losses, uh, first to New Zealand and then um, to South Africa and Buenos Aires. A lot of people had kind of tipped them to do a lot better than they did uh, last week in last weekend's round five action in Buenos Aires, but they went down 36-20 to South Africa. Um, it was a kind of a, a scrappy game at times. I thought South Africa were clearly the more composed and well-structured of the two sides. Uh, Argentina did make a strong comeback in the second half, but, uh, you know, South Africa held their nerve and hung on to, to come out with what essentially is is a pretty comprehensive win and one that's put them um, in a very strong position uh, in terms of hunting for that rugby championship silverware this weekend, this coming weekend. Um, I think, you know, that we've talked a lot about, quote, that game, unquote, the game between Australia and New Zealand. And the uh, rather, well, the, the, the refereeing decision at the end of that match, which caused a great deal of controversy and debate. Uh, I don't really want to go back into it again. Um, it's not one of my favorite things to, to rehash officiating decisions. But what I would rehash is that it, uh, it comes back to um, a lot of, what we're seeing right now in test rugby, and I really hope they get on top of this for the autumn internationals uh, and beyond to the six nations. And most importantly of all the, the, the world cup next year. And that is this whole, um, this whole issue with officiating and, and how it's really getting in the way of the game itself. Um, and it's not necessarily because of the officials themselves on the pitch. It's just the way it's set up right now. Um, you know, the game needs some urgent action. There's, there's far too much time for stoppages, TMO interventions, water bottle breaks, team huddles. It's, it's 
sapping the momentum out of the game um, and the energy out of the game. And it's like I said in the in this the first edition of of uh, first episode of this week's podcast, it's it's really in danger of starting to look like uh, an NFL game where you know you can have these you know very long halves where the actual playing time is minimal in comparison to the time on the actual clock. And like I say, just just reiterating that in the first half of the Australia-New Zealand game last week, 51 minutes on the clock, 12 minutes of actual play time. I don't want to see that. And, you know, we saw that again in this game. You know, there were long back and forth and discussions with the referees and the TMO and the TMO getting involved in this, or TMO getting involved in that. And then these huge debates and various people not being able to make a decision. Meanwhile, the, the, the life and energy just gets sapped and sucked out of the game. It's, it's really unpleasant to watch. And I really hope they, they, they get on top of it. Rugby is a game about energy and momentum. You take that away from the game and the game, suffers both in terms uh, of how it's actually played and and as a spectacle. So I, I really hope that, you know, come the end of this rugby championship this weekend and the start of the autumn internationals that, that you know, world rugby and the officiating bodies really sit down and say, how do we get back to what this game is all about? And once more, make it the spectacle that draws the people in. Because I'm, I'm sorry, if, if nothing is done, our game could be in peril, um, in serious peril in terms of, of its audience base. So we shall see. But uh, yeah, hopefully food for thought uh, for the governing bodies post this rugby championship. But yeah, like I say, it was kind of a, a, a scrappy game at times. I felt, in all honesty, you know, Argentina um, were not really at the races uh, last weekend. They they did have some good elements to their game. I think, you know, their, their scrum prowess is remarkably improved. Um, you know, the, the, the stats are not particularly... Um, you know, are not particularly depressing when it when you when you look at uh, at last week's game from an Argentinian point of view. But what cost them is they just didn't seem to have, um, you know, that their their problem with controlling the restarts uh, was a continuing theme, and somehow that's got to get addressed. Um, both for obviously this weekend, but but you know, heading into you know, a tough autumn nations, um, and beyond to, to the world cup, they really got to get a handle on controlling the restarts because at the moment, um, they're just setting themselves up for failure and opposition, uh, teams are just capitalizing on it. Um, so it means that, you know, their, their ability to control the restart, they're constantly playing with one hand behind their back and then desperation creeps in, and once desperation creeps into this Puma side, they don't play well. Um, you know, one of the most frustrating things for me uh, watching that game last weekend was, you know, the handling errors were 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 just just you know really high. Um, you know, they'd get some momentum going, they'd get a couple of phases going, and then they'd stuff it up. 
um, and that that was just the whole theme of the game for the the Pumas last weekend. And it was really frustrating because, you know, at moments, you know, they 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 get things going, and you think, oh, here they go, here they go, and then poof, it would just fizzle out. So, um, you know, and and it also begs a larger theme or more consistent theme with the Pumas in the rugby championship over the last couple of years in that they tend to start very well, but fizzle out towards the end. So I'm really, really hoping that's not going to be the case for them this year. They've, they've, they've had some great games, some great successes. They need to capitalize on it and really finish, finish strongly uh, in Durban this Saturday. So here's, uh, here's hoping for them. Um, I thought South Africa, you know, barring a few wobbles at times, uh, particularly when they kind of took their foot off the gas and allowed Argentina back into the game uh, around the 55-minute mark, uh, pretty consistent, uh, very high work, work rate. Um, thought the experiment with Willemsa um, at fly half is, uh, you know, I think that's definitely... Um, definitely continuing to uh, to pay dividends um, and a you know if I was a Springbok supporter or something I would uh, an experiment I would want to see them keep working with you know they need some depth as backup to to Andre Pollard um, but also I would hope for South Africa going into the autumn internationals and beyond you know they blood some of the guys who are doing really well at URC in the 10 jersey um, because that's going to be important for depth heading into the World Cup but certainly from uh, Damien Willemsa, I thought a good game again from him for the most part. A couple of wobbles. Um, that seems to be a consistent game, a consistent theme with him, both in this game and the Australian game. But uh, overall, pretty solid performance. And, you know, South Africa defensively, they were outstanding. Um, you know, it, it, at times it wasn't overly flash, but it was solid. It was a solid performance across the park. Um, and certainly enough to to get the job done in a place, you know, like Buenos Aires playing the Pumas is always a challenging place to go. Um, you know, especially once that crowd, as you, you saw in the second half, started to get behind the Pumas. Um, you know, it's it's uh, that uh, that energy in the stands. If, if you're uh, if you're the visitors can be kind of uh, kind of daunting. But I thought South Africa handled it really well. And, you know, that last 10 minutes, they kind of put themselves back in the, in the driving seat again. So, yeah, good, good effort all around, I thought, from South Africa. Obviously, there's always room for improvement. Um, but, uh, yeah, I couldn't really see anything I, I, didn't, I didn't like. And certainly, I think, you know, talking about the fly half, um, sort of the halfback combos, you know, I think Hendrixa and Willemsa, it works. Um, you know, each outing I see from Hendrixa at, at scrum half, um, better and better. Um, I think he offers a different set of options than, than Faf de Klerk. But I think uh, he's a strong, strong candidate for, uh, you know, um, South Africa's World Cup campaign. So good on him. Uh, good performance from him. Um yeah, and like I say, just across the board, Malcolm Marks was immense again. A little bit quieter effort from Kanan Moody after his uh, star debut against Australia. But uh, yeah, I think across the board, uh, South Africa can feel pretty good um, about that effort. 
So looking forward to looking ahead rather to this weekend. Um, you know, uh, quite a few changes uh, for Argentina, but uh, in terms of South Africa, kind of steady as she goes, um, very much so uh, in this game. But yeah, uh, in the front row, um, uh, Argentina um, ring the changes. They actually, I, I may, I. I make a mistake. Um, there are no real changes. Uh, they keep the same uh, forward pack of Eduardo Bello, Julian Montoya, and Noel Tadez Japaro, um, who you know did have the one area that I did think that Argentina has improved on uh, over the course of this rugby championship, even though it looked really sketch at the beginning, is their their scrum prowess. So um, yeah, uh, I think they can feel fairly comfortable going into this game um, that they're fielding the best the best that they can I um, expect to see um, you know like last weekend they did not have uh, Thomas uh, last weekend they did have Thomas Gajo this weekend they do not and I do think that's unfortunate for them uh, he came off the bench for them last weekend um, but unfortunately he is not available this weekend um, so that's a bit of a setback for them. So, yeah, I think, you know, Stephen Kitsoff, Malcolm Marks, Franz Milherba, that all stays the same business as usual for South Africa there. They were absolutely magnificent last weekend. Um, so I don't expect anything to be any different this weekend. So, yeah, based on what we saw last weekend, the fact that South Africa at home, uh, I fancy uh, South Africa's front row chances over Argentina's. Um Ebed Etzebeth and Luti Yager remain uh, at, uh, in, in the second row. I kind of thought there might have been some rotation there. I give those two guys a break. They've had a lot of rugby over this rugby championship. But uh, not to be. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see how that works, works out. Uh, Franco Mostart is on the bench. Now, they may rotate him in. Uh, to to the second row. We'll just have to see how that goes. Or they may stick him in the back row where he's also been uh, pretty impressive as he was um, last weekend. I think uh, for the purposes of the game this weekend, though, their plan is probably to slot him in off the bench into the second row for either Etzebeth or Diager. Uh, Argentina remains unchanged. Matias Alamano, Thomas Lavanini. I don't think either of them were at their best last weekend. Um, you know, Lavanini slightly, you know, technically not as proficient uh, as he's been up to now uh, in the rugby championship. Um, <coughs> excuse me. A couple of minor errors. Um, and, uh, yeah, a yellow card, which uh, was unfortunate. Again, um, not through uh, not through any per se poor play from him or or negative play from him. It was just you know he got in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but yeah, given the strength of their performance last weekend, once again home ground, the whole nine yards. I'm uh, I'm giving this one to. Uh, I'm giving the second row battle to South Africa. So the tight five overall, I think it's going to be all about South Africa. 
uh, despite some very spirited performances from their Argentinian opponents. In the back row, uh, that uh, gets tweaked a little bit. Peter Staff-Dutois returns from injury. Um, Jasper Visa keeps his spot at number eight. And Sio Colisi, uh, obviously, on the blind side. Uh, Colisi, I thought, had a monster of a game last weekend. Uh, Visa looked pretty impressive. Um, and it'd be really good to see Steph Dutoy back. Um, really hoping that uh, his injury niggles are, are behind him. Um, and we can get back to what we saw at the start of the rugby championship, some real quality play from him. So, yeah. Uh, in the back row, I got to admit, um, despite Argentina's troubles last weekend, it was a pretty impressive performance from Marcos Crema, Pablo Matera, and uh, Juan Martin Gonzalez. And I am pleased to see that that back row remains unchanged. It's a very dynamic, uh, very aggressive, very effective unit. And Juan Martin Gonzalez is a player, I think, it's going to make a lot of noise at the World Cup. Uh, he is definitely one of the new breed of Pumas that that you're going to want to keep an eye on. That guy has, uh, he's got some serious talent there. So yeah, that's a very dynamic, mobile, but also very solid defensively um, back row with some, you know, real jackling potential there. But that being said, uh, South Africa seemed to manage to keep those three guys in check just. Now, a lot of Argentina's problems uh, were down to unforced errors um, and also just South Africa suffocating them at times defensively. If they can get past that this weekend um, and the error rate goes down, then you could see a very different uh, picture in terms of, of how Argentina plays and how successful they are. You know, they are no strangers to winning at uh, Kings Park in Durban. They've done it before. Um, and if that, if that, you know, particularly that back, uh, Puma's back row fires, there could be some real, real, a real test of, of South Africa's defense. They held up well to it last weekend, but they'll need to do it again for the full 80 minutes this weekend. But yeah, if you look at the forward pack uh, at in home advantage, then uh, I'm pretty confident South Africa has the edge there. And I say that in absolutely no disrespect to the Pumas. I think, you know, they are uh, of equal stature and ability, but I just think South Africa will have the edge. In the halfback department, um, there's uh, no, no changes. Um, for Argentina, Santiago Carreras keeps a spot. Gonzalo Bertrandu keeps his spot. Um, Thomas uh, Kubeli also finds himself on the bench uh, for this one. He came on relatively early uh, in the match last weekend and had a huge impact. So uh, watch out for him. Uh, for South Africa, Jaden Hendricks uh, keeps his place uh, with the number nine jersey. I think that's the right call. Uh, but uh, the old veteran, Francois Stein, comes in at fly half. I personally um, would have liked to see Damien Vilemsa, but apparently he is out with concussion protocol. 
So uh, they, they've had to kind of almost scramble a little bit and uh, brought in the old warrior, um, Francois Stein. But, you know, he's proven to be no slouch this, uh, this, this tournament. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, interesting to see how he combines with uh, Jaden Hendrickson. But, uh, yeah, I, despite my reservations, he seems to be a solid pick. Um, yeah, and, and I say with Argentina, Carreras and Bertrandu, um, I think they're equally dangerous. I just think Stain's experience uh, allied to um, the real composure that Jaden Hendricks seems to have. Um, I, I Once again, I'd give the edge slightly to South Africa. Will be interesting. Uh, you got Faf de Klerk on the bench for South Africa and Thomas Kubeli. Uh, on the bench for Argentina, along with uh, Ben Ujda Pileta. Uh, P- Pieta, I'm afraid I can't pronounce his name that all that well. Um, they could swing it in the second half, particularly if Francois Stein's having a having a, a bit of a, a hard go of it. We shall see. Um, but yeah, my money is still on on South Africa in that department, albeit with a very t- talented uh, Argentinian set of opponents. I mean, if nothing more, I'd love to see uh, Santiago Carreras pull off another big win because I think with him running the game at 10, if he can pull off another big win, that's only going to do wonders uh, for his confidence and his development heading up to the World Cup. In the midfield channels, uh, it remains the same for South Africa with Damien Dayende and Jesse Creel. Uh, and Argentina sees uh, Geronimo de la Fuente um, and Matthias Maroni brought in for Matthias Orlando. Uh, Orlando <clears throat> uh, being rested for this game. And I believe also out with injury. But yeah, in Geronimo de la Fuente, you all know what he can do. We've seen what he can do this championship. Maroni, I think, is also very strong defensively and quite an imaginative center. Um, so yeah, they don't lose anything there. And I would actually say that this is one area where Argentina has the edge. Dayende is, is great as is Jesse Creel, uh, who I, you know, has actually kind of impressed me, um, last weekend. I'm always a bit scathing of Creel and I apologize for that, but he, to me, he's not the most flash player. I think South Africa do have better options in the making, but they've chosen to stuck with Creel, stick with Creel for now. But, you know, and Dandy is when he's on, he's on, but he can often be an incredibly one dimensional player and his passing ability is not the greatest at times. Whereas I think that uh, Argentinian center partnership is the much more imaginative and creative of the two. So I'm, I'm giving that contest to Argentina. We shall see. And then in the back three, um, yeah, you know, they've decided to uh, change it up a little bit. Uh, Emil, Emil, excuse me, Emiliano Belferi keeps his place on the wing, but Juan Imhoff comes in for Lucio Sinti, who I really didn't think had all that good a game last weekend. Um, and then Juan Cruz Malia, who I thought did have a good game last weekend, shores up uh, the 15 jersey, the fullback jersey. 
you know, that's a pretty potent back three. Uh, you know, Bofelli add add to uh, his ability under the high ball. Um, add that boot of his, which has still got pretty good accuracy, although not as good last weekend. Um, and then Imhoff, you know, again, one of the old warriors who still has plenty of gas left in the tank and creativity and speed. Uh, he'll be up against Kane and Moody. Um, I have a hunch you're going to see a lot more of Moody than you did in the game last weekend. Uh, and then Buffelli goes up against Makazoli Mapimpe. And uh, Willie LaRue shores up the back at fullback. Um, so, yeah, uh, no changes for South Africa in that department. Again, I thought Willie LaRue is real, really having a sort of a a real renaissance in the sort of twilight of his career. He's really playing some outstanding rugby right now. Um, so he's a real asset to the Springboks. Mapimpi, I thought, was relatively quiet last weekend, uh, as was Moody. be interesting to see if South Africa brings them into the play a bit more this weekend. But, uh, yeah, you know, once again, I think it's one of those things, uh, I think they're pretty evenly matched, those those three uh uh, the, the six of them, uh, the, the South African back line and the Argentinian back line. But again, I'm going to hand home soil advantage to the South Africans, uh, but some stiff competition from, from Argentina. Um, and yeah, that's really about it. Uh, the benches, uh, I'm going to hand, uh, South Africa's front row bench replacements, Bongi and Banambe, Oxenche, Vincent Cock. I think uh, pretty safe to say that's the more effective of the two. But Argentina are boasting the venerable Augustin Crevy, who, uh, again, despite his uh, being in the twilight of his test career, he's packing a punch still. And then uh, Meiko Vivas and Joel Sklavi as the two prop replacements. But yeah, I just say that the South African replacement front row is uh, a little bit more menacing and proven in terms of, of ability and experience. Uh, we've already talked about Franco Mostart, most likely to get subbed into the second row, possibly the back row, but I would expect to see him um, come into the second row as a replacement for either Diager or Etzebeth. The old warhorse Dwayne Vermeulen returns. He's on the bench, uh, most likely to replace, um, I think, without a doubt, Jasper Visa. Um, but yeah, um, I think of of all of that bench, perhaps Vermeulen has the most point to prove. But we shall see. Uh, Quagga Smith, obviously in the bench, proven commodity, real danger man. Um, most likely he'll come in um, for either uh, Dutoy or Khaleesi, depending on how uh, Dutoy is holding up uh, post his injury. But yeah, Quagga Smith, you know what you get, and it's pretty. It's a pretty impressive package. Uh, Faf de Klerk uh, is uh, on the bench for this one in the number nine jersey, and Kurtley Aronso, his uh, suspension is now over, and we all know what a live wire he is. Um, so yeah, he is the new danger man, um, for South Africa, uh, taking over, kind of taking over the mantle from Cheslin Colby. Um, and then for Argentina, I've already kind of talked a little bit about, uh, most of their bench replacements. Um, but, uh, 
Guido Petty, um, who can also play in the back row if necessary, but uh, most likely you'll see him in the second row. Proven operator, absolute menace in the lineouts, really good at uh, getting lineout steals, so watch out for him. Uh, Pedro Rubiolo, I don't know anything about this guy. Uh, he is a second rower, so uh, he could go into the second row and Petty into the back row. We, we don't know how that's going to play out. Um, and then obviously we talked about Kubeli and Uruda Payeta. And then Bautista Delgui uh, makes a return uh, to slot in on the wing. Uh, we all know what danger he brings to the contest. Um, so, yeah, we shall see. But like I say, overall, my hunch is, is that South Africa is going to win the game. Uh, by how much it remains to be seen, and therefore, depending also on the result in Auckland at Eden Park, who will emerge holding the silverware. But who knows? You know, it's been a rugby championship that is all upside down, um, and who knows what's going to happen. Uh, it's available to you at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern uh, on TSN, uh, Premier Sports uh, Asia, and... Um, flow rugby uh the details of that are all over on the blog uh on the blog on the tv listings page rugbylineout.com uh like i mentioned i had a couple of issues with flow rugby watching it uh on replay if you're trying to watch it on a computer uh, but it does seem to work um on ipads or phones but then that has issues casting to your tv if your tv uh chromecast is not also on a vpn which uh, Flow Rugby requires and Premier Sports does not. Also, a bunch of exciting uh, URC action taking place this weekend. More details on that uh, and what my picks over on the TV listings page as well. So enjoy the rugby, folks, and I'll be back with wrap-ups now. Regular service has resumed. Talk to you soon and take care. <laughs>